bid you welcome to our morning worship service, and we're going to turn to the hymn number 50. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Let's all stand while we sing to God's praise this lovely hymn, the hymn number 50.
Our psalm for today is the psalm number eight. As we come to read God's word, let it never just be a formality. It's the entrance of God's word that giveth light. And as we read the word of God, let's ever remember that it's God-breathed. It's God-inspired. Psalm number eight. You could really write over this psalm, that lovely hymn. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of lords and Lord of all. Psalm number 8 and the verse 1, let us hear the word of the Lord. And after we read this psalm together, Brother John McCauley, one of our elders here, and also David's father, is going to come and lead us to the throne of grace in prayer, please. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honour. Thou mayest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Amen. And we know that the Lord will bless the public reading of his infallible word to all of our hearts. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Let us all pray. O God, our loving and eternal Heavenly Father, we come into thy presence again this morning. This the Lord's day, this the one day in seven. And we come before we this, this day to worship thee. And we want to worship thee properly and spirit and in truth. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, each heart today will be prepared to hear thy precious word. We just thank you for thy word. We just thank you as we're ready. Lord, it's a lamp on our feet, a light on our path. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you'll speak to each one of us. Pray, Lord, that you'll defeat every plan and purpose, even of the devil. Even this morning, he'd come and he would seek to have our minds wander on the other less important things. But we pray, Lord, that you'll just close us in with thyself. Lord, that we'll hear not just the voice of the preacher, but we'll hear thy voice speaking to you. You have a message for us today to hear. And Lord, as David comes, we pray, you'll bless him. We pray, Lord, that you'll bring all to his remembrance. He's studied and he's prepared for today. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you'll help him to deliver the message to the congregation this morning. And what a responsibility it is for anyone to stand before a congregation to proclaim the word of God. And we just pray, Lord, he'll know the help of the Holy Spirit and the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit today. Lord, we just thank you even for this psalm that we have been reading. Lord, we just, what, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visited him? Lord, we just thank you that you've been mindful of us, for us. And Lord, we just thank you for going to Calvary. I just thank you for the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just thank you you went there, and there you took our son, and you bore them there on the cross. And I just thank you today that we're saved, we're redeemed by thy precious blood. And we're here, just like the psalmist day, we can say that we joy went to the house of God. Go up, they said to me. It's a joy to be here. It's a joy to even to have the health and strength even to be here to worship thee today. And Lord, as we come before thee, we wouldn't be unmindful of those today who mourn. We pray for the Monteith family. Lord, we just thank you that Molly was ready and prepared for the day of her death. And she's with thee today. She's with Christ, which is far better. And she's rejoicing in thy presence. But Lord, we pray for the family that's left behind. We thank of Helen and Weston. We thank of the whole family 
I just pray, Lord, that you'll, they will know your comfort at this time. I thank it very especially for how you will message his wife. I just pray, Lord, that you'll even minister unto him even today. And Lord, I pray for the funeral service even on, on Monday, tomorrow. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you'll bless her. Bless the preaching of thy word. And just pray, Lord, even you'll speak even during that service. Lord, we thank too of the sick. Lord, we pray for those that are congregation here, needing a touch in their body. Just pray, Lord, that you'll draw near unto them and touch the body and raise them up to full health and strength again. Remember our own pastor and the group that are out in Romania. Lord, we thank you for this service they're doing for thee. And we, we know you have been blessing them and helping them, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that you'll continue with them, give them journey mercies as they come back tomorrow. Just pray, Lord, even as they come back, Lord, they come back with a great report. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you'll just be on to them all that they need, even in the, the last few years that they would be there. Even as they minister, Pastor Park would minister today, we just pray, Lord, he'll know thy help. And Lord, he'll be even encouragement there to the people. Lord, we think of others, we think of fellow Lord, even as he's in uh, the martyrs today. We just pray, Lord, he'll be with him as he ministers there in the, to that congregation. And Lord, he'll be blessed even as his own soul as he ministers thy word. And that congregation will be blessed and built up in the faith. And we think of Jonathan, too, as well, down in cold rain. And for all students and everywhere today, for the word of God is faithfully preached. We just pray, Lord, that you'll attend the preaching of thy word, even, even with the pre precious souls, even coming to trust thee as your Saviour. Lord, remember those even in our gathering today who do not know thee as their Saviour. Lord, we do not want to leave them lost and lonely. We want them over there. We want to, everyone in this meeting today to be in Christ. And Lord, whenever the call comes, Lord, they're ready to go, ready to meet thee. We just pray, Lord, even as the word has preached today, as David preaches, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that there'll be a word in season for someone even in this gathering today. We thank too of the, the land of Turkey, Lord, that's been devastated with this earthquake, and Lord, we pray for thy people that are in that land, and we know there's those that are out there helping and sharing the gospel. We just pray, Lord, that you'll be with them, even at this trying time. And Lord, again, we would remember Ukraine. Lord, we bring this company before thee. Lord, we just pray for the peace of Ukraine. And we pray, Lord, for the defeat of evil, evil men. And just pray, Lord, that you'll step in and overthrow every plan and plot and scheme. It's even it's come from the devil alone. We know these men are possessed with the devil. Lord, the devil's directing them and guiding them. But Lord, we just thank you. You're still working on that land. And we just pray, Lord, that you'll bless our people here again. We just pray, Lord, that you'll just, day by day, Lord, that you'll just be very near unto them. Lord, whenever they hear so much is going on in their homeland, we just pray, Lord, that you'll keep their relatives and their friends safe. We think of Yuri, who's going by again. We just pray, Lord, that you'll be with him, keep him safe. And for his wife, we pray, Lord, that you'll bless week and the family here. Beyond them all that they need, we just think that we can bear one another's burdens, we can pray for one another, we can bring them before the throne of grace, because of a great God who hears an answer's prayer. These things we pray in the Saviour's name. Amen. Thank you, John. We bid you welcome in the Saviour's name to our morning worship service here in the congregation. If you're visiting with us and we have a few visitors, we bid you welcome and we trust that you'll feel at home here in Hebron. And to those who join with us on Sermon Audio and other platforms, we bid them welcome. And wherever you are today, we trust and pray that God's word will come with power to your soul. Do remember the service tonight at 7 p.m., preceded by the time of prayer, 6.30. Can we encourage God's people to come and to be with us at the place of prayer? Lord willing, we'll be long to preach tonight at the evening service. Don't let that put you off, but we trust that you'll come out. Tonight we want to deal with the subject, the Saviour's searching question. Lord Jesus Christ asked many questions when he was here upon earth. And there was one particular question that he asked. And we want to deal with that tonight in the will of the Lord. And Christine will be alone to minister in song. And we trust that the Lord will bless our time together. Refreshments will be served after the service. You remember then the work here during the week in Hebron. We have the recommencement of the Hebron Tots, and that's at 10 a.m. through to 12. Do you remember, as this work recommences, remember those involved, remember all who will come, we pray that the Lord will undertake, and in every detail, 
that this will be uh, a venture that is blessed of God. Do you remember those uh, who have gone to Romania and for those who have seen the little videos that have been sent by Mr. Park, we are thankful for him always keeping us up to date and we trust that you'll remember uh, our brethren uh, and Kesiah as they are in Romania and return home, Lord willing, uh, on uh, Tuesday. And today they're in uh, Balia and Campina and do remember them as a minister of God's word even today. Tuesday night is our youth challenge at 7 p.m. And can I make an additional announcement on behalf of our brother Andrew who uh, oversees the work of the youth challenge and it's particularly in regards to the need for additional workers and especially for two bus conductors. So you maybe never thought that you could be a bus conductor. Well, if you want to get on the buses and you want to do that job, this would be a good opportunity for you to help. It is important that every aspect of this work, the getting to and fro of the children is done safely and for that to happen we need the proper staff to be there. We need one male and one female and so if you can help in that regard this could be a service that you could do uh, then if you see your brother Andrew after the service this morning uh, or any other person that wants to come and to labour on Tuesday night. I know Andrew and the other workers will be quite delighted if you come and help them in that regard. Wednesday is our committee meeting at 8pm for all the members of session and committee. Thursday evening is our midweek prayer meeting at 8pm when Lord willing Reverend Park will give a report uh, and others who were with him uh, on the trip to Romania and the special prayer for missionary work and for revival. Friday evening youth fellowship we're going to Antrim for the youth council evening of prayer. The buses leave uh, the church here at 7 uh, 10, 10 past 7 so be here in good time so that you can get to Antrim for the time of prayer. Do you remember the services next Lord's Day? Commence with the early morning time of prayer at 8am. The Sunday school at 10.30. The Bible class and we'll continue uh, our series lessons from Leviticus and we trust that the Lord will undertake for us as we uh, continue uh, to deal with these lessons in Leviticus. Then in the morning worship service the Reverend Park is going to speak upon the subject one bring one and I trust that you'll be with us next Lord's Day to hear what our servant has to say it's an encouragement to us all to become evangelistic and to reach out and to be a witness and to encourage others to come come under the sound of the gospel do you remember then the evening gospel service 7 p.m preceded by a time of prayer at 6 30. in relation to our family night service on the 5th of march we will have back again with us uh, the retired major David Johnston. Of course, David is the son of uh, the Reverend Ron Johnston. And he was with us here uh, and gave a brief word of testimony at a remembrance service. But he'll be coming back on the 5th of March to give a fuller version of that testimony. You'll find these invitation cards. Uh, they're in the hallway as you leave. Take them. Use them. They're a means of uh, witnessing to people. They're a means of giving an invitation to someone, someone that you know in your family or friends, and we trust and pray that the Lord will use this effort in the gospel. Of course, we do remember uh, those uh, who are on our uh, prayer list, and particularly we want to extend our sympathy uh, to the Monteith family on the passing of our sister Molly Monteith, and in particular to uh, our brother Wesley and Helen. Helen's mother uh, was called home this week to be with the Lord. It's always a challenge whenever your mother is taken from this scene of time. You only have one mother and they're very precious and we trust that you'll remember Helen, remember Wesley, remember especially your brother Ernie Monteith. I think Ernie's somewhere in the region of 97 married for over 70 years. They have been a stalwart in the work of the church in Oma. And just remember, remember all the family, remember Anne and Raymond, Marion and Joseph, Christy and Diane, 
Gula and Ian, Martin and Lorraine, Edgar and Olga, Carl and Shirley, the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren. Remember the service tomorrow in our Omer congregation at 1.30. Pray for God's servants as they take that service. But the family will know at this time that underneath and round about are the everlasting arms. And do remember those others who are on our prayer requests. Remember, continue to pray for the Bevan family and our dear brother Dave and the rest who are named there. Let's keep these individuals, these families, before the throne of grace in prayer. Continue to remember the situation in Turkey and in Syria. 44,000 people dead. Millions displaced. And where are they? Right into God's eternity. Let's remember that land. And of course, continue to remember our brethren and sisters from Ukraine for that country that God will intervene in the circumstances there. The hymn 573, it's a lovely hymn. Under his wings I'm safely abiding, though the night deepens and tempests are wild. Still I can trust him, for I know he will keep me. He has redeemed me and I his child. I wonder who's keeping you this morning. Are you able to say you're under his wing? Think of these words as we sing this lovely hymn, Standing While We Sing, please. this morning to have as our guest preacher 
brother, Mr. David McCauley. David's coming to the end of his tribulation in the Whitfield College of the Bible. He's a fourth-year student, and very soon in the month of May, he'll sit his final exams. Do remember him in prayer. It's not an easy task, uh, and there's a lot uh, to be covered between now and then. Do remember our other students. Remember Greg, he's in Donachadee today, and Jonathan is in Coleraine. And then David has to go all the way to Enniskillen tonight. So that's as far as he can go away so that he doesn't have to come and to hear me preach tonight. So, but we're delighted that he's here today. We love you, brother in the Lord. We're going to ask you to come now and to minister here. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, can you please turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31, and just as you're turning there, can I thank Mervyn for leading? You know, Irvin, Mervyn made the mistake of offering to lead, so I very much took him up on that, and that's the last time he'll probably offer. But no, I appreciate that, you know, it takes a lot of pressure off me as being the preacher, just to have someone to lead and to do the announcement, so thank you for doing that. Deuteronomy chapter 31, and we want to read from verse 30. And we'll read on down through 32 to the verse 12. So verse 30 of Deuteronomy 31. And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew as the small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass, because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord? O foolish people and unwise, is not he thy father that hath bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee, thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nation their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in a waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them and beareth them upon her wings. So the Lord doth alone did lead them. And there was no strange God with him. We'll end the reading there at the verse 12. And may the Lord just bless that reading of his word. Before we get to the preaching, can I ask you now just to bow your heads in a moment's prayer with me, please. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, once again we bow in your presence. And Lord, we are so thankful for the gift that is ours to come here today and to worship. Lord, it is our main aim here. It is our goal that we come and we see more of Christ, that we see more of our Lord. How excellent is His name upon all the earth. And Lord, we would see Him today. We pray that You would bless the reading of Your Word as it has already been read. We thank You that we don't come here in the confidence of ourselves and our own flesh. What a vain thing that would be. But Lord, we come knowing that Your Word is quick and it's powerful. And we just ask for the Holy Spirit to come and to help me as I preach today. Help me as I seek to even reveal the truth that you've laid upon my own heart. And Lord, may you speak. Have that word in season to all of us here today in this meeting. For it's in Jesus' name we do ask it. Amen. Now, how we describe a person will say a lot about what we actually think about that person. Okay, and by what we say of them, then that will give others a great indication of what our relationship is between that individual is like. Okay, folks 
who hear you speak of a certain individual will know how close you are to that person or the other side of the coin, how not close you are to them. Now, with our Northern Irish humor being the way it is, we like to take the hand out of each other. In that sense, it can be difficult for people listening on to actually know what we think of that person. Know a person, the more you like a person, the more your relation get, the relationship gets to a place where you can actually slag them off. That's within the Northern Irish culture. But I want us to put that to the side for a moment, uh, that banter side of us and how we communicate at times. And what we want to think about here and what we're speaking about here today is in those serious moments. How would we describe the one who we love the most? How would we describe the one that we might say we could not live without? How would we describe them? Because how we describe them will automatically tell everyone else around us that they mean that much to us that we can't live without them. All that is revealed by just how we describe that person. So bringing us back to the passage then, what we've read, and what I want us to do as we look through this passage is actually ask ourselves the question, well, what and how would God describe you? Speaking, of course, primarily here to believers this morning, how would God describe the relationship that we are in with Him? What are God's thoughts towards us as His people? And there's a couple of things that I want to pick out from Deuteronomy chapter 32 that'll help us to answer those particular questions. What is God's thoughts towards His people? Well, the first thing we want to notice is that we are His portion. You look at verse 9, we are His portion. It says there in Deuteronomy 32 verse 9, for the Lord's portion is His people. Now, it might take some explanation, first of all, to just explain what exactly that means. What does it mean when we are described here as God's portion. Well, the word portion in Scripture can be used to to mean a few things. Uh, It can mean a part of, so a a part of a land, a part of a nation, how the nations have been divided into portions can refer to that. It can also mean not only selection, but also possession. To be a portion means that you are that possession. And of course, all can be applied here, the part of the selection and also The possession here can be applied to verse 9. But I want to tell you today that it's the possession that's most in view here in the context of our verse in verse 9. Now, you might think to yourself, well, of course, possession is in view when we think of God, who He is. He is the creator of this world, and so doesn't He possess all things. He has authority over all things, and that is true. However, there is a sense in which the possession that God has over His people goes much, much further than just that general sense that He possesses all things. The people of Israel, as you will know, were called by God His peculiar treasure. He has that possession over them. That peculiar treasure doesn't mean they were strange. That's not what peculiar means there. It means they were His special possession. That's what it is to be God's and within God's people. So possession is ultimately in view here as we think of God's portion. But there is also that part of portion which speaks to selection and choice. And this is very important if we are going to see who, who we are as God's portion, as His people. For the people that God possesses are the people who have been appointed by Him to be in that possession. And that's vital to get a hold of today. He has chosen us to be His That's hinted at in the verses that we've read in Deuteronomy chapter 32. If you look at the verses previous to verse 9 to verse 6, it says this, Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, and when He separated the sons of Adam, He set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is His people. So we see here, it was the Lord's choosing of this people. And this thought of His people being His portion is connected to terms that we've read there, being bought, being made, being established. 
Staying within the context of the passage as well, and of course the people here being referred to are the people of Israel. They are the ones who were bought. They were made, and they have been established to be His portion. All this was done for them. But let's think upon that people of Israel under this context of choosing, this selection. And you think about the people of Israel at their beginning. What, when did God reveal to this nation of Israel that they were His portion? If you turn to back to Genesis chapter 11, please, you'll find the beginnings of this people, at least in the earthly sense. And we'll read Genesis chapter 11 and verse 31. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarah his daughter-in-law his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And then if you turn to chapter 12 and the verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So here we have, in what we've just read, this family, and among whom there's Abraham and Sarah, whom you'll recognize the names, and they come from this land called Ur of the Chaldees. And in the land of Ur of the Chaldees, Abraham would have been accustomed, actually, to idol worship. One Jewish historian called this land of earth of Chaldees, the moon-worshipping city. And so they worshipped the moon god. This is what Abraham would have been brought up with. He was brought up with idolatry. So what's the point? Well, what made God think of a man called Abraham? And by extension then, this people of Israel that came from him, what made God call them out as his portion? Was it because Abraham was worthy of that call? Was it because God could see Abraham and saw something commendable in him? Well, no, because we've just thought of her, the Chaldees, Abraham didn't revere the true God at all. He was an idolater. Yet the Lord comes and calls him out. So what made Abraham God's possession? Or why did he call him? That's the question. Well, if you turn back to Deuteronomy in the chapter 7, we actually get a very clear answer to that question. And even we think of the question that was asked in the opening psalm, Psalm 8, the question, what is man that you think upon him? So Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. So there we've read again about God's choosing. But why is the question? Well, the Lord did not set His love upon you, nor chose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep the oath which He hath sworn unto your fathers, because the Lord loved you. And this is really where this first point has been leading us to this morning, the love of God and making His people His portion. He saved us. He possessed us because He decreed within Himself to set His love upon us. And that's a remarkable thing for any believer in here. Never forget that if you're a believer. We're not saved because we deserve to be. We're not saved because God foreseen some good thing that would be in us. No, we love Him because He first loved us. It always has its conception within the love that God has for His people. And this is key to our study and understanding how God views us as His portion. We are His. We are His possession through the merits of His own love. One of my favorite Bible verses is Galatians 2 and 20. And if you were, I don't recommend you do this, but if you were to go over all my old messages, you'll probably find this come up quite often. Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. How do we know God has loved us? Because he gave himself for us. Because he went to the greatest lengths to display that love 
in the offering up of Himself on the cross, saving our souls, making us His personal possession. The best-known verse in the Bible, and don't get bored of hearing it, John chapter 3 and 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so we're thinking of what God thinks of His people. How does He see us? How He would describe us? Well, He sees us as His possession, bought with a price. And so He displayed His love and how He has chosen us to be in that love. But how does He continue to display this love towards us? What is our experience now as believers as we live out our lives here? What's our experience of that love after conversion? Well, the answer of that, to that comes out in the following couple of verses in Deuteronomy chapter 32. So, we've seen that we are His possession, but now we want to see that we are under His protection. If you look at chapter 32 and the verse 10, we find this description of the apple of His eye. He found him in a desert land, and in the waste howling wilderness, he led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of the eye. So now that we're his possession, what next? Well, unlike anything that we possess, you think of whatever possessions you might have, whether they're physical objects or anything else. Yes, we might possess those things, but there's also the opportunity or the reality that we can lose them. In fact, in time, we must lose them because we cannot hold on to things forever. But it's not so when we think about God's possession of His people. He decided in eternity past to set His love upon us, and when He sets His love upon His particular people, His possession, they're His possession for eternity. He never lets go of that possession. And then we have in this imagery in verse 10, also that He keeps us, and He keeps us like the apple of the eye. Now, the imagery is quite clear, I believe, and I presume you can get the imagery here. We don't have to spend too much time in explaining it, but if you go on to the internet and you do a quick search on information about the eye, you'll very quickly come to realize why this is such a good illustration for God to use in displaying His protection for His people. Because even in creation, God has naturally fitted our bodies in the physical sense with levels of protection, various levels to protect the eye. You think of the eyebrows, the sockets that the eyes are set into. You think of the tears, the eyelids, the eyelashes, the blinking, all in an effort to protect the eye. But just as we have all these levels of protection in the physical sense, the Lord uses this illustration to remind us as His people that He protects His people just like the apple of the eye. The very pupil of the eye is in view here all of this protection, and He is seen as our great protector. He's described in Scripture as our refuge, our shield, our fortress. And in Deuteronomy 32, we've read about Him as our rock. He is our keeper, a strong and high tower. And all of these names, and there's many more in Scripture, they're all pointing to how God is our defender. He is our protector. We are as the apple of His eye. He takes great care and loving care in protecting His own. But we have another picture here of God's love towards us. It comes in verse 11. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. And I see three parts in particular here in this verse that I want to just work through those three parts and hope to give some kind of application to what's being said here in this picture. First of all, you see here the eagle stirring up the nest. And to me, the nest, of course, speaks to immaturity. So you imagine the, the nest, the, in the nest, the eggs have hatched, they have these little chicks, but they've made it this far because of the loving care of the mother, the eagle. They've been nurtured, they've been fed, they've been kept in the nest from harm, from predators. Now, this speaks not only to the great care that the Lord would have for His people, but it also speaks of our weakness, doesn't it? These chicks left to themselves, they wouldn't last. They would die. But yet, here we see our own weakness, but not only that, but particularly those who are newly saved, not yet grounded in their faith. Those who are immature, we might say, in the faith. We see here how the Lord knows what you have need of, and also the protection 
that you have need of. He cares just as that eagle stirreth up her nest. But then we have then that the eagle fluttereth over her young. So after spending some time in the safety of this nest, the eagle begins to flutter over these fledgling chicks. And the point here is, I believe, that this speaks of stirring up the nest, making it as a place where it's not easy to stay in it. This mother eagle does not intend for the fledglings to stay in the nest. They're being pushed out of the nest, out of their comfort zone, you might say. And this is for us as well. We're not to stay in the safety of the nest, as it were. Speaking again of immaturity in that place, we're not to be content in that condition. But rather, God would push us on, onwards to maturity. And you know, when you see those chicks in those nests, and I've watched some videos of this taking place, you'll see them there, and they're watching on at the mother eagle. They're just looking at the eagle, and the eagle there is giving it something to follow something to imitate. And so, the Lord does for us. Gives us something to follow after. He is, of course, our great example. Follow after me. Long to be like Him. Now, we mature faster than others. Some mature faster than others, okay? And some to a greater degree than others. But the point here that we're making is that it's not God's will that you would simply stay in one place. We are to mature in fact, we have a warning in the book of Hebrews, if you'd like to turn there to Hebrews chapter 5. We have a warning against those who would remain in the nest, as it were, in verse 12. It says, Therefore, when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of full age, even those who by reason use their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So here is a warning actually in the book of Hebrews. Do not stay in the one place. Mature. It's not God's will to keep you weak in the nest, tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. But you have here... God's will to grow mature in the faith that He has brought you into. But then thirdly, having seen what we have seen here, the eagle also spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. And this is really the main point of this picture here. Again, we're brought back to protection, God's protection of His possession. Now again, I remember watching this video on YouTube and this whole event taking place of the, the eagle and the fledglings in the nest, and I remember watching this one particular chick. It's the only one left. The others have left, and it's looking about the edge of the nest. It's uh, tripping about. The wind's blowing. It's unstable, and I'm thinking to myself, this one's not going to make it. It's going to fall, but then the camera zooms out. Okay, so the focus was really on the chick in the nest, but then the camera zooms out a little, and when it did that, you could see there was this eagle, the adult eagle was sitting on the branches above, always just watching on. It was observing everything that this chick was doing. And that reminded me, as I trust it does you as well, that God is never far from us. Acts 17 and the verse 27 says these words, that they should seek the Lord, and if happily they might feel after Him and find Him, Though he be not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own po poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So we are his possession, his offspring. In him we live and move and have our being. And he is not far from any one of us. Here then is the greatest comfort, I believe, to the believer who experiences this in a very, very personal way. God is watching on. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. His thoughts towards you, we're told, are thoughts of peace, not of evil. He is a very present help in times of need. And Scripture is full of those encouragements for His people, His possession. But he is always close at hand. I'm sure most of you will be able to relate to times in your lives when 
You maybe feel like that chick. You're at the edge of that nest. You're tripping about. You're maybe ready to fall. And maybe times you feel like you are falling. You've heard some news and it's really devastated you. There's things have come into your family and you really feel like you're falling. Everything is taken out between, beneath your feet. What do we do in those moments? What's the hope in those moments? Is it to pick ourselves up and to get going again? Is that it? What's the hope in those moments? We trust. Not in ourselves, but we trust in the one who not only watches on just by way of observation, but we trust in the one who bears us up in those moments. Bearing us up upon his wings. Four times in the book of Psalms, this being under the shadow of of the Lord's wings is mentioned. And, every, and tw- two times that it's mentioned there, twice, trust is connected as a right response to that truth. You don't have to turn to it, but Psalm 36 and verse 7, it says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Psalm 57 verse 1, Be merciful unto me, O God, O be merciful unto me. For my soul trusteth in thee, yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. And it is true for the believer that calamities come. It's part of life. There's a season that we all must go through. But when those come, what is our response to the truth and the understanding that we are borne up with the wings of our Lord? What's the truth that we must see? We must trust in that moment. Not only trust is in view, but there's also rejoicing in that. In Psalm 63 and verse 7, it says, Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings I will rejoice. So this is the peace, and this is the hope, and the rejoicing even, even in those difficult times that we are under the shadow of the Lord's wings. I'm sure you've heard prayed before those words when seeking to Comfort those who are in times of trouble. We've prayed that underneath and round about are the everlasting arms of the Father. And those words actually come from Deuteronomy chapter 33, the the chapter just after the one we've read today. And in verse 26 we read, There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help, and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He bears you up. You are His possession, and He gives you this great protection then. So I hope we haven't got lost in all this imagery here today, but isn't it a beautiful thing when you think about it? When God created everything in this world, that the God of creation would look upon that creation and then use things like this, what we've considered He's given examples for us to look at that we can study and we can think to ourselves, that's how God sees me. These two pictures that we've looked at, the apple of the eye, the caring of the eagle for her young, a man named George Horn, who was an archbishop way back in the, or he was a bishop in the Anglican church back in the 1700s, he said this about those pictures. Taken together, these two phrases are powerful pictures of God's care for his people. He who has so fenced and guarded that precious and tender part of the pupil of the eye, and who has provided for the security of a young and helpless brood under the wings of their dam, is here entreated to extend the same providential care and parental love to the souls of the elect. The God who has created the eagle to care for her young in this way, the God who has created the body to protect the eye in the way that we've thought of, is the same God who shows the same providential care and parental love for the soul of his elect, even more so. Which brings us right back to that thought that we began with of being his chosen possession, his elect people. That possession that he and he alone, without any outside influence, he has decided to pour out his love upon that possession. And just in conclusion today, that very thought brought me to this question. You ever wondered why God loves you? Why would He save and protect a people like us? Not just a people like Israel in the context of Deuteronomy here. Why would He save and protect and keep a people like us? Because if we're honest with ourselves, we, 
we sometimes can be wayward. We can be selfish, self-focused. We can at times be unlovable. And the love that we have from others can wax and wane. But why is it that God's love for His people never changes? Well, we've thought about how He has chosen us, and a very key part to finish on today is how He has done that. In Ephesians chapter 1, and the verse 3, it says there, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. You wonder why God loves you in the way that you've thought about today, and I've often wondered why God will love David Macaulay, and you can put your own name in there. Well, it's because when he looks at me, he doesn't just see David Macaulay with all his faults and his failings. He sees Christ. He sees his only begotten Son, and that to me is a remarkable truth. God doesn't just see me in the flesh. He sees his Son. He sees Christ. My life is hidden with Christ. And believer, you are chosen in Him before the foundation of the world to be His portion, to be His possession. And He treats you then as the apple of His eye. He bears you up in His wings through every circumstance of life because He looks upon you as His only begotten Son. And that's why He loves you in this way. That's why it is a love that is unchanging and unconditional because that love is rooted and grounded in Christ. And there is no love greater than that that the Father has for the Son. And so I trust that as we've contemplated how God looks upon us today, how He would even describe us, the relationship that we have with Him, trust that there's been something of an encouragement here for you to, to think over. And that you'd be strengthened in your faith in the One who loves you, the One who gave Himself for you. You are His possession. You're kept in that love. You're protected in it, not just for now, but for all eternity. And there is no greater love than the love that God has for His Son, and you are in Him. Trust that, the, as we've said, there has been an encouragement to you today to think upon. But as we want to close the meeting now, can you we'll stand to sing the hymn 572? A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. And we'll stand to sing all of the hymn, please.
once again we bow at the end of another service and Lord we thank you for the great privilege that it is to be under your possession or what other place would we want to find ourselves but to be under that sovereign control of a heavenly father the one who loves us the one who gave himself for us the one who keeps us and protects us from all evil Lord, we pray that we would be encouraged today, even with that thought. We do not know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what this week might bring upon our past. But Lord, we who are saved, we know that we're never going to be separated from the love of Christ. And so give us that confidence as we live out our lives throughout the week. But we pray for those maybe who don't know what it is to have that confidence. Lord, we know in a gathering like this, there may be one who is still outside of Christ. He doesn't know the experience of being under the wings of one who bears them up, the one who saves their soul, they're saved from sin. And so, Lord, we pray for them especially. Have a word and season for their own hearts, even as we've contemplated what it is the believer has in that relationship that you've brought us into. Lord, may they even desire that relationship too, with no sins forgiven, to have the peace that passes all understanding that God is with him or with her. Lord, we pray for those who are under maybe sorrow. We continue to pray for Helen and her family. We pray for Dave, Bevan, and his family as well. Lord, who, those who are under times of sickness, those who mourn, Lord, bear them up and protect them in these days. Lord, we pray that you would part us with your blessing, be with, with us throughout the day, and undertake for us as we come uh, to meet around your word later. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.